How to create money-making content. In this episode, Linda shares her expertise on content creation. Plus, the biggest question on the internet, can I use GPT to write my articles? All that and a whole lot more in this episode of Inbound Buzz. Welcome to the Inbound Buzz Podcast, your weekly jolt of all things digital and inbound marketing. Brought to you by redpandas.com.au. Now for your host and co-founder of Red Pandas, Moby Sadiq. Welcome to the Inbound Buds Podcast, episode 133. My name is Tony Cow, and I'm joined by Moby Sadiq. Hello. No, oh. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> joking. Um, today, we've got a special guest. Our head of content at Red Pandas, a very good marketing strategist, automation expert. What can't she do? Linda DiMacco. <laughs> You fully butchered my last name, but no one ever gets it right on the first go. So it's all good, Tony. We've only been working for like five years (laughs) together. (laughs) How are you, Linda? I'm good, Tony. How are you going? Good. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Um, Moby wasn't feeling too well. So yeah, it was always um, great to have you, you know, working alongside you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm I'm interested chatting with you today, Tony. I'm excited. Okay. So in our first segment, News Buzz. TikTok considers sell-off to appease concerns and ownership conflicts. So TikTok is facing um, potential ban in the US. It's been gone for a while since the Trump administration. Now the Biden administration is trying to do it. And the whole world is onto it. They believe that um, TikTok is a tool used by the Chinese government to help spy. Wow. So this is not racism, Chinese. So like, you know, we can get this right. <laughs> You're allowed to say this, not me. <laughs> yeah. Um, ByteDance, the parent company, is considering selling. The interesting thing is because uh, we all thought TikTok was the future in social mm. advertising, right? We spoke yeah. about this and we were training up, getting ready. We've tested it. It's been, you know, um, you know, um, Well, it seems like it's been inconsistent from what you've been telling me, right, Tony? Yeah. Compared to some of the other more established platforms like Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. You know, it is cheaper, you mentioned, right? But it's still a bit inconsistent at the moment. Yeah, 100%. So um, we don't know. But we do know something that came up was the UK government also banned TikToks on all government employees' devices. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's it's scary. Like maybe it is happening. They're going to ban it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it still makes sense to use it for now while we have it. There's mm. more awareness that you can create from TikTok, but 100%. it's just interesting seeing what's going on, hey? Yeah, I know. It's just a software, social, when it's using for propaganda. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, our next uh, news buzz, OpenAI releases GPT-4 and Bing, Bing Chat upgraded. So basically, there's a new software by OpenAI you know, invested by Microsoft. And, you know, Bing is upgrading and changing how we search. If you haven't been on Bing lately, have you been on Bing, Linda? Not much, but from honestly, from what you've shown me, that's as much as I've been using it. I Honestly, whenever I think of Bing, I'm like, my, my parents won this, my grandparents won this. But I think we're going to be on it now. <laughs> we spoke about this a while. We were like, who the heck is on Bing? Why are we advertising yeah. on Bing? And I don't know. Do you think Bing is going to, you know, take over Google in the future, do you reckon? Like, we'll just it's, move away from it. It's interesting, you know, whether it's going to take over it or whether, you know, there's use for them to be side by side. It looks like they're offering slightly different things, right? Mm. Bing's going more along that kind of um, that channel of being your assistant, if you will. Yeah. Whereas it doesn't seem like Google 
I mean, potentially they are heading in the same direction. Yeah, if Google catches up. Mm. But it's interesting because I think you asked me this, would you go on Bing? And I think I would, right? Mm -hmm. Like on the frequently asked questions, it states Bing is likely having a research assistant, personal planner and creative partner on your side whenever you search the web. How's that different to Google? I think it's because Google only gives you a list of links. Yeah. Whereas Bing is going to give you answers. So you don't have to go search. Yeah. It's really interesting, these tools. Like there's just so many advancements happening in AI. It's honestly really difficult to keep up. Mm. You know, we've got like video AI coming out, image AI coming out. And then we have these tools along with I actually like this side of AI more, can I say, the side where it does help you become more efficient. This tool that Bing has released with GPT-4, mm. I think it's cool. Like, I think yeah. it's really helpful. Do you think we're going to lose our job, Linda? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Because <laughs> uh, everything it does is what we try to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Project manage. Yeah. We're all about time efficiency. Yeah. It does it all. Content, yeah. designers. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Interesting days. Next segment, Google releases March 2023 broad court updates. So, you know, every year or every, you know, twice a year, Google always does an algo update and for all you SEO um, experts out there. So the first one is apparently in March. Mm -hmm. um, apparently when this happens, um, it could affect your rankings for better or for worse. So it's interesting. All you people using ChatGPT <laughs> out there, you know, you might get strike, you might not, I don't know. Huh? Interesting. Yeah. So we're recording this March 17th right now and we're saying around two weeks from now that update is likely to hit. Right, Tony? Yeah, it was in March. Uh, I don't yeah. know the specific date, but yeah. yeah. So we just watch it in the next month or two weeks or yeah, so see what okay. happens. First algorithm update of 2023, you said? Yes. Yeah, wow. I, and usually there's another one down the track, but it's interesting because like um, – Content, right? I think content is a big factor that affects your SEO. And you're an expert in this. You understand if people start seeing their rankings drop, mm. what do you reckon? That was just bad content or like? Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting, Tony, because they're releasing so much information daily on this and content and how it works with chat GPT and, mm. and these AI tools. The landscape is changing every single day. So what we say today might not be true tomorrow, interesting. but it's going to be really interesting to see. What we do know, though, is human content will always be prioritized over AI content. Yeah. We know that for a fact. Yeah. Um, so it's just going to be interesting to see how Google flags this, what it allows, what it doesn't, you know, what parameters it changes. It's all pretty interesting. Yeah, because like um, in our last podcast, um, you know, Google has a, a chat GPT called Bard. And like, so they're kind of saying that they do support chat, you know, like artificial content. Yeah. But, you know, like, you know, I think human content's the best, right? Like, oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, there are heaps of tools coming out like mm. daily in regards to being able to flag AI content as well. And whether Google prioritizes their, their own mm. like integrated software over a different AI tool. Interesting. You know, whether they'll... Be yeah, able to yeah. kind of differentiate that even yeah, where true. you're pulling AI content from and how that's currently put together. Like it's just there's so many intricacies. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a deeper. Level I heard. Thought. I heard. Um. Recently, maybe not recently, but um. Definitely at the beginning of the year, there was a um a student, I think in America, and he developed this app that's able to pick up um AI generated content. Oh, really? <laughs> and this is a student 
at a uni or a college. Damn. So the fact that students are able to develop this sort of software, yeah. it's just crazy to think about what these big search engines are going to be delivering. True. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Interesting. Moving on to our next uh, news buzz, um, Google generative AI coming coming to Docs, Gmail, in workspace. So a lot of uh, AI stuff today, but mm-hmm. Google will soon add a chat GPT-like prompts to help you draft in Docs, Gmail, including you know brainstorming, proofreading, writing, and rewriting. So same thing. Like That's so cool. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. That's all about efficiency, productivity. Like that's essentially skipping a step, right? Is yeah. what it's saying where instead of, you know, from a content point of view, having the outline created in chat GPT or GPT-4, mm. what this is doing is allowing you to create that outline directly in Google Docs, right? Yeah, 100%. Pretty cool. So like proof, yeah, like think about we, like it's going to do our proofreading. It's going to be our writing. We don't need to learn grammar no more. <laughs> All those people who failed in English. Uh, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> this is your saving grace. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to talk back to the teachers. No, it's awesome. I, I saw a, like a really brief snippet of this yeah. and the fact that you can be in a Google Doc and with the integration, it says, help me write. Wow. And then it can, you know, you can kind of prompt it to start doing whatever you need it to do. It's so cool. I mean, it's not far along yet, but yeah. these integrations are exciting because they actually help us do our job better, which I love. Yeah, like drafting emails for us. Like how many mm. times... Have I read an email and I go, Linda, can you have a look at this? Yeah, it- true. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, we'll get into that. I still think humans writing content is really important. Yeah. Okay. But I like these efficiencies 100%. Okay. And that's it for our news buzz. Our next segment, Feature Buzz, how to create money-making content. So, um, interesting. Like, um, I find this really interesting because, you know, specifically we have you today to talk about content. To do content marketing, like, um, do you need to be able to write content where you know you come across as like a trust advisor? Do you need like you and do you need to be an expert? You know, a lot of people in the industry and clients are asked, you know, do, do we need you know, to know exactly you know like to be an expert, know everything, or are we just making it too difficult right now? Yeah, and it's a good question, Tony, and it's a question that I get a lot from clients, even just business owner friends, and it's you know. Historically, I feel like a lot of people have used the blog on the website as a place where you can share like industry um, Mm. updates and, you know, an award that your company recently ran. But really what we're doing here is moving towards a space where, as you say, your website becomes your best salesperson. And to be able to do that, that's where you are creating content that your consumers care about and content that comes across in an unbiased, valuable, helpful way that does position you as that trusted expert. And that's how really content can become money-making when we're creating content that answers our buyers' questions, concerns, fears, what they care about, what they're scared about. Mm. As long as we can address that in an unbiased way and provide really helpful content and do those little, you know, Mm. bits and pieces of copywriting 101, That's how we we then translate that copy to not just educational copy, but then copy mm. that can kind of move them along the buyer's journey as well, right? Yeah, interesting. Um, on top of that, like writing content, like we get asked this a lot and I ask myself a lot as well, like um, what topics should I write about, Linda? Like that's a question that we always keep asking, right? Yeah. Let me ask you, Tony. Um, 
What's an example of a recent big purchase that you made or something that you look at, you're researching? Like, do you really want to know, like PG? Or the- <laughs> <laughs> Tell me the non-PG offline. Okay. <laughs> Tell me the PG online. Okay. <laughs> um, funny thing, because like um, I've been looking at prams lately. Ooh, like, okay. Know, soon to be father. <laughs> All right. What are you researching when it comes to prams? Um, a lot of stuff. Like I'm looking at pricing. That's one of the yep. prams. Like what they do, honestly, I'm still confused. And, and the pricing, side note, is like yeah, really broad, isn't it? Yeah. like Prams aren't cheap. <laughs> yeah. For, like Honestly, you get the weird ones from $100. Do you get the ones like three, four thousand? The ones with the $100, the wheels falling off <laughs> yeah. within a month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I still don't understand what they do. So I'm relying on like uh, my colleagues, you know, like Tasha, Mobes, so <laughs> yeah, to help me out. But also, you know, like um, what to purchase. So yeah, a bit confused on um, you know, shopping for a pram right now. You mentioned one thing there, which was pricing. Yeah. And that's really, really important. So when it comes to what topics you need to be writing at a minimum, like as your foundational topics, you need to be covering these things. And these are, they sit in... Um, what's called the big five, which was identified by Marcus Sheridan. And what he's basically um, said is that there are five topics that consumers tend to research when they're interested in buying something. No matter if it's a service, a product, whether you're in B2B, whether you're in B2C, universally there are five topics Mm. universally that people research when they're in buying mode, when they're ready to pull out their Mm. wallets. And one of them is pricing. Makes sense. So – 100% 100% you want to be talking about pricing on your um, on your blog, on your website pages. You know, that's probably the one as well before I mention the others where companies are most afraid of addressing. Mm. And we call that ostrich marketing where okay. they say ostriches, they they stick their head in the sand when, they, um, when they're scared. Okay. It's actually a myth. I mean, but I'm just I mean, going to run imagine, with it. Yeah, yeah. go on, go on. <laughs> I don't think they actually do that. It's a myth, but we're going to say <laughs> that they do. <laughs> but they stick their head in the sand when they're scared, right? Yeah. And if we call, if we translate that into marketing, a lot of CEOs don't want to address pricing on their website because they're worried about things like their competitors are going to find out yeah. or they're going to scare away um, consumers. Well, really, you're only scaring away bad fit consumers so you're actually saving your sales yeah. time um but that's kind of the the one topic where a lot of companies struggle with but addressing that means that your consumers are going to be landing on your website because you're you're talking about that mm. and your competitors aren't and that's where we talk about being able to be that trusted advisor yeah okay. because if we're happy to share this with you and not hide pricing well then what does that do for the relationship it creates trust yeah, interesting. So addressing pricing Price. on all your products, services is fundamental. The other four big five topics, so you've got um, best, and that's also a bit controversial because you're talking about the best in class mm. and that doesn't involve yourself. Oh, interesting. It's actually your competitors, funnily enough. So who we think are the best people in our industry but taking ourselves out of the game. Oh, really? Yeah. So you don't, you wouldn't add yourself into it? Well, what happens if you add yourself in there and you say, well, we're the best? Yeah. Humility. It's, it's biased. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. So for a company to be able to candidly say, you know what, we're actually going to objectively look at everybody in, yeah. in our industry and we're going to tell you guys, if you guys don't go with us because you're not right, the right fit with us, who are the other people that we should be looking at? Mm. By doing that, you're working on that trust component. So 
Interesting. Best is also another really important topic. So are you talking about the best stuff they offer or are you talking about like, um, are you critiquing what they offer? It depends what industry you're in. Yeah. You know, whether you're in the product game, the service game. Let's say, you know, if we keep it relevant to what we do, digital marketing agency, we would literally write an article, which I, th- I think we actually have or it's in progress, yep. but the best digital marketing agencies in Sydney. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I've got to read about that. <laughs> when we search that, Tony, that term best, right? You know, let's go back to your pram example. You're not searching what are the worst prams. Yeah. Right? You're looking because you want the best thing for you. Yeah. So it's a term that we know as consumers we search. And so we have to expect that our consumers are also searching that because we search that. Okay. Yeah. So we've got pricing. We've got best. Yeah. Reviews. So social proof. Reviews. Reviewing your own products especially though. So people might not be sure about two products that seem similar on face value that you offer. So being able to review those products is also really important because it helps the customer be able to self-identify yeah. what product might be best for them hmm. without having to get onto the phone with you and figure that out. You're educating them. Okay. Uh, and cost, we said. Problems. Problems is another one. So what are the problems with X? Hmm. And then also comparisons. Okay. Yeah. So do we put them all in one page or is it like? Yeah, good question, Tony. Yeah. So. I would recommend, I mean, these topics, right, there are going to be so many articles that you're going to write on cost. There are going to be so many different types of articles that you could uh, compare, for example, Mm. right? We might compare ourselves to one agency in one article and then we'll compare ourselves to a different agency in another article. Mm. So you'll find when you try and stuff everything together, it's too many messages. I recommend this sort of content is all just separate articles that you start to build up your content um, resource center, your learning center, whatever you have or where you organize your content um, as blog posts. In addition, you're going to have web pages that address these things as well. So you'll tend to find, particularly under the Teo framework, we recommend that pricing has its own tab on the main navigation panel on the website. Mm. Um, so you're going to write blog posts around it that give more value and go more in depth, but then you're also going to find that you're going to want to pull out some of this content and have web pages on it as well. Okay. Interesting. So we've got the five topics and then you're saying they're separate. Like how do we, like how do we start? How do we process this? You know, how do we start writing? Well, a lot of people think that you want to go to top of funnel and then work your way through the buyer's journey. So start with search volume and keywords. You know, what are people searching? Start there. But what I always recommend is you want to start with your lowest hanging fruit. Really? Well, yeah. I mean, let's say that a new company has has onboarded, employed a content manager, right? Or a copywriter, whatever you call them. You want to try and get return on that investment as quick as you can. Right. So you want to start with the bottom of funnel type content. What's the content that's going to help your sales team sell number one. And then what's the content that we know buyers are searching that's going to push them over the line. And then once you have all of that kind of covered Mm. at a baseline, then you want to move to that top of funnel stuff where you can start to kind of expand out. But you want to look at your lowest hanging fruit first, because that's going to give you a, a return on investment with that employee. Or let's say you're, um, you know, you're a freelancer, you're solo, you're writing your own content. Well, you know, you want to start producing content that's going to sell straight away. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I love that because it's so funny. Um, I always thought you go top of funnel, like in paid or something, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you're 
tactically going the opposite. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing the reverse. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I love that's very tactical. I love that. Um, moving on, uh, another question I want to ask is like, what's some tips to help you know convert those long hanging fruit pages or even top hanging fruit pages? You know. Yeah, so I think tips, there's definitely a lot of tips. I can probably narrow them down to a few really important ones. I think there's definitely a balance between being able to be a really good storyteller and then also having good structure to your article that you're writing, right? Mm. So if we stay on the structure side, let's break it up into your intro, your body and your conclusion, right? Three main components of an article. The intro really needs to answer three key things. Is this content for me? What problem are you going to help me solve? And are you the expert? Should I be listening to you, essentially? And someone should be able to tell those three things in the intro and know whether this article is going to help them and they should stay on it or it's not relevant to them. Okay. That's important for us because, you know, we want to make sure that we are weeding out people that we're not trying to help. Mm. So it helps us also qualify through our articles and educate. But then it helps that person figure out quickly if they're in the right place. Yeah. So to be able to do that, we we can follow a framework and there are a few different frameworks that you can do to make sure you tick off those three things. But one simple framework is PEP, P-E-P, which is problem. So address the problem, establish yourself as the authority person, so the expertise, and then at the end of the intro, provide a preview or a promise. You're going to get X after reading this article. Mm. What are you actually going to learn and take away? Like where is the value? So by you following that PEP or PEP framework, you can answer those three things that fundamentally people are interested in when they land on an article in the first place. Yeah, I love that. That's so simple, right? But so powerful. Simple, yeah. And I mean, the the difficult part that comes into this is that storytelling because you don't want to be as basic as that. Mm. You know, that's where that storytelling, that human emotion comes into it. Being able to address those things, but doing it in a way that's not so obvious to the reader that you are addressing those things. You know, doing it in a way that keeps a person engaged is really important. So you're talking about emotions and I think we spoke about this a while back or before, but do I include fees and all that stuff or? Yeah, that yeah. that's that um, that problem, right? That's oh, okay. the pain. So, so what is it that you're going to help me solve? Yeah, and we okay. have to touch on that at the beginning. I think with, you know, every single asset, right, Tony? Like that's the fundamental thing that you also address mm. when you're creating your ads. Yeah. Right? What is that problem or what is that ignite point? Yeah. That we need to focus on. And the intro should fundamentally have that in there as well. It's getting very deep. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) So that's your intro. Yeah. Right? Intro. Then you've got your body. So your beef of your article. I like following the 80 20 rule, and that's 80% uh, education, 20% selling. And to sit along that is making sure, and this is. One of the most fundamental things when it comes to at least the TAYA framework is being unbiased in um, the way that you write. It's very uh, easy for us to want to really sell our product or service and come across as biased. But when we do that and we add that into our article, well, it actually deters the reader because they feel like you're not actually giving them information that's going to benefit them. You're just trying to pitch yourself onto them. So the really important thing when it comes to those big five pieces of content is being really unbiased. Yeah, interesting. So it's like um, you were saying, it's not too salesy, right? It's not like an ad, right? Exactly. Yeah, interesting. It's all about value. And we'll touch on this, I think, at some point in this conversation for sure. But, you know, with ChatGPT and the fact that we have um, 
articles being created by ChatGPT now, what's happening is that, um, you know, articles are going to start becoming really um, like, you know, ChatGPT, I know it doesn't have an opinion, yes. right? And in your articles, you don't want to be a politician. You want to actually come to the table with an opinion. Interesting. Because that's how you engage people. Right. If you sit on the fence, it's not interesting. It's not controversial sometimes. Yeah. Right. So I would say don't be a politician either. Come to your article with personality as a human. Yeah. Be yeah. storytelling and provide value in an unbiased way. I love that. So, yeah, like humanizing it. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So we've got the intro. Yeah. The body. What's the third? So um, you've got your conclusion at the end. Yeah. And a lot of people use a conclusion to just wrap up and summarize wow. the main points of the article, which is a huge <laughs> no-no. Do not do that. <laughs> Your conclusion is where you point them into the next step, the next direction. Okay. And I love using this analogy, which is because um, a lot of people will do this, Tony. To be, at the end of every article, they'll just pop in their hardest call to action. Yeah. So if that's to buy a product, they're sending them to the product page. If that's to um, book a tour on site, they're sending them there. But you don't want to – there's this saying, I love using it, and it landed really well with a client recently. But it was you want to take someone on a date before you ask for their hand in marriage, right? So <laughs> by asking someone's hand in marriage straight away and yeah. going for the kill straight away, pretty sure your success rate is going to be pretty low. <laughs> Tell me otherwise, but I think it's going to be pretty low. I didn't date anyone. I just married my wife. Oh, God. <laughs> I need to speak to someone else. <laughs> You're a terrible example, Tony. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense, right? But what is the next logical step, right? So after they consume this piece of content, are they actually ready to buy? Maybe, mm. but maybe not. So this conclusion is the area where you want to actually point them in the right direction, link them to another internal article. Oh, okay. Right? Link them to another article that is in the same part of the buying process that they're in right now. Because people need to self-educate. We know that they're self-educating online. So allow them to be able to do that logically so that way when they are ready to buy, because you have genuinely helped them, they're going to think of you I when they're that. interested in buying. So the conclusion is really your um, – your uh, position to be able to just point them into the right direction, help them along their journey. And a few questions you could ask yourself to be able to do that is, so what, why now, or what's next? So what, why now, what's next? Yeah, so that person is going to be thinking one of those things by the end of the article, right? Yeah. They might be saying, so what, like why, why should I actually care about what you're telling me? So this is where you actually tell them why they should care in the conclusion oh, okay. or they might be saying oh okay but like why now so you might be telling them they need to hire a content manager right your article is what why you should hire a content manager but by the end of the time they read it they might say oh but like okay cool but why now so you want to show them the cost of inaction right, right. and you can do that in the conclusion so in the conclusions we're answering that, those three points right uh so what by now what's next i would say answer one of them oh one of them right because okay. when we give people too much information it's almost um it's an overload right yeah. and then you get that kind of complex of indecision because there's just so much information so i would stick to one of those questions and address that really well in the conclusion i love that traditional marketing we always try to do that hardcore call to action get them to the product page right so mm. Like, 
are we expecting them to you know click onto the next page to read more or are we just going okay we'll leave it for now they might go away and come back later is it i would always link them to something yeah okay you know you don't want to you know things like bounce rates i know like hard bounces and things like that or not yeah. hard bounces but um uh, sorry exit intent yeah bounce yeah exit yeah there's one right. metric <laughs> I'm brain dead now. There's one metric that um, I know analytics is no longer going to be reporting on. And I think it is bounces, yeah. isn't it? But essentially, it's still an important metric. We can um, look at the analytics in a different way. But, you know, you want you want to keep people on your website. Yeah. Right? You want to keep them on there as long as possible, consuming as much content as possible. Yeah. So, I would always be linking somebody to the next step or the next article. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. With call to actions, you can have horizontal call to actions or you can have vertical call to actions, right? So horizontal call to actions move someone along the buyer's journey stage by stage, right? So maybe they are uh, are product aware and then maybe they then go into exploring or categories, for example. We're moving them through the buyer's journey, right? Whereas vertical call to actions actually keep someone moving down the same stage of that buyer's journey, because they need to consume a lot of content at that stage before they can actually go to the next stage. Right. So depending, you know, you can get quite tactical depending on where they're at in their journey. Yeah. Um, you know, how this content fits into the overall strategy, that's how you want to start thinking about your call to actions in your articles to really start converting, right, and to really start generating leads, sales. This is how tactical we want to get. Wow, that's that's very insightful in a while. <laughs> I was only looking at paid ads, but wow, this is a different level. <laughs> uh, you got your thing, I got mine, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> so with all these articles and a lot of people are thinking like, man, that's a lot of effort, right? Can I just use like ChatGPT to write everything for me? <laughs> <laughs> man, the amount of times I've been asked this question. No, honestly, I love it because it forces me to learn this stuff, right? I would say... At the moment anyway, use ChatGPT for efficiencies. So I would be creating an outline in ChatGPT rather than copy pasting an article right now because we don't know what's going to happen to us, right? Mm. You want to use AI, but you also don't want to suffer from Google banning you potentially in the future. And you also don't want to sound um, non-human, yeah. right? That, that That's the whole point of this, right? Creating content that actually sells creating money-making content is that storytelling component. It's being able to use first person. And there are probably two things that I would recommend. If you do want to use AI to create your article, then those are two things that I would recommend you inject into that article. So for example, let's say we asked ChatGPT to write a 1500 word article on um, how long does it take for inbound marketing to work for my business, right? I would shift the tone of that article that you get back to first person. So it's going to give you something really generic, but I would change the intro to say something like one of the questions we get, I get asked all the time is Linda, be honest. How long is it going to take for inbound marketing to work for my business? Yeah. So you see what I've done there? I've shifted that article. So now it's more personal. Yeah. I've mentioned the author, the author. Um, it's more personal. I've introduced a question in there as well. Okay. Yeah, and that's very smart, right? So you've got it to create or start off with the framework and then you've just gone in and touched and it And then up. you go and touch on it. Right. Yeah. And what else would you add into it, you know? 
So the other element is a storytelling component. Yep. And the way to do that well is when you understand your customers' fears, worries, concerns, questions, and you inject that into your article, right? Because that's how you truly resonate with someone. Mm. And this is where, you know, when you are writing your articles, you may not be that person that is customer-facing, And you may not be that person that is actually talking to your customers to truly understand. Mm. So I would recommend to be able to really inject storytelling and do that well in your articles. What we do here and we tell our content managers to do whenever we coach them is to interview the subject matter expert. And that is the person that is dealing with the consumer at that point in their customer journey where you're writing the article around, right? Because if you're interviewing that person that's in sales, for example, or customer service, when you're interviewing them and asking them these questions, they can really give you uh, examples yeah. of what your st- your customers are yeah. going through. They can give you the terminology that your customers use. So true. And that's the stuff that you want to be putting in your articles that really get you over the line from a basic mundane chat GPT generated article that speaks to no one and is so broad and just regurgitates yeah. information that's currently on the website to an article that really addresses your customers and actually gets them to take that next step. Yeah. Cause like you understand, cause you know, you understand content really well and you can tell when something's been generated or not, right? You were telling me about that. You know how like chat GPT, you know, like when someone generates it, it kind of looks similar across, is it? Or Well, yeah, because it's, it's all using the same content yeah. from the website, right? What does AI do? It just, pushes mushes together and regurgitates information that's currently online yeah so you're not actually providing any value it's just reworking the stuff that's already online and so what do you think the value is of actually doing that yeah although it's going to take you 10 seconds to to do well times that 10 seconds across the year yeah on how many articles that say you're doing heaps of articles, you're publishing heaps of articles. Well, firstly, that's a bit of time there, but then you, your value is going to be horrid. It's mm. not going to actually be great because your content's just going to be the same as everybody else's. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So wrapping this up, you were saying basically um, be a very good storyteller, right? Number one. For 2023. That's the focus? Yeah. Interesting. And that's how you keep your job. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, number two, um yeah, use it as an um, as an outline, right? But you got to get into it and you got to humanize it. Yeah, yeah you you want to use these tools. Like you don't want to have that mindset where you don't want to use these tools coming out because they're so cool mm. and they're so fun to so use. So fun. Yeah, like <laughs> I'm sitting there writing poems about oh, my colleagues. <laughs> yeah, you know that. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone's done that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the 101 to chat GPT, write a poem about someone you know. Linda, no, she but- <laughs> wrote a rap about my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to share that publicly sometime. That's a good one. But no, yeah, you, you want to use these tools. You want to get more efficient at your job and you don't want to be made redundant, right? Mm. You want to integrate them in what you're doing. You want to add value, become more efficient, save more time, do those things. But then, you know, if we're talking about actually writing content that's going to sell and writing money, making content, then you have to humanize that content still. Interesting. I love that. So like, yeah, all the content copywriters out there, your job's safe. Yes, just <laughs> be a human. Just be a human. And storytell. And storytell. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Linda. It's been fun today. I appreciate joining us on the Inbound on Buzz podcast. It's um, fun chatting, Tony. Hopefully you invite me one day too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to ask my colleague Tasha. Not <laughs> <Yeah>. joking. <laughs>
<laughs> so Lindsay is actually in the uh, uh, share men- marketing mentors. Marketing yep. mentors. You so check that out on Spotify. <laughs> um, if you want to catch up this episode, um, go to redpandas.com.au forward slash EP133. My name is Tony. Thanks for joining us today. And it's been great fun. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Inbound Buzz. Learn anything? Return the favor by spreading the word. Want to make your mark in digital? Need help with your digital strategy, inbound, and marketing automation efforts? Then visit redpandas.com.au and be sure to tune in next time for another Inbound Buzz hit.